Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by me, Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading lists at mangasplaining.com. All right, this week we are going to go down a slightly different path. We're going to be talking about something, mm, well, I guess it's a little quirky. But I think you're ready for that, Chip. All right. We'll see. <laughs> we are talking about Beastars by Paru Itagaki, and it is published by Viz Media. It is translated by Tomoko Kimura and adapted and edited by Annette Roman and lettered by Susan Diego Leach, who I hope I pronounced correctly. It was originally published in Weekly Shonen Champion, which is a Akita Shoten shonen magazine. Beastars is basically kind of like, when I describe it, Beastars to people, I tell people it's kind of like, like Zootopia, but like super dark. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's kind of like at this high school, like, it's like Glee, you know, like drama school kids with a murder mystery wrapped up in like a big, in a lot of conversation about what it means to be a herbivore and a carnivore. It's a whole lot. So let's let me let's try this because I thought this worked well last time. Let's start with Chip. So oh, Chip, what did you think of these stars? Oh <laughs> shit! You're gonna start with me on the spot. Sorry. All right. I got just to let the uh, our, our valued listeners know. A couple of days ago, there was a discussion on the manga explaining uh, email thread that mm. perhaps we should do more than just the first volume of this because it really gets going after that. I, I managed to read two volumes. Okay. I didn't get, I didn't get to the third. Wow. Really busy, really important person. I believe that, yes. <laughs> also, I'm just slow. I would say about 10 pages in to Beastars, I thought to myself, this might be the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. It, it was, uh, I, I, I bounced off the art so hard. I mm. thought it was so poorly done on almost every level. I found the dialogue just bad, wrote, more explainy than even Oshimbo. <laughs> and that was an explainer manga. And that was an explainer manga. And I was like, what is Deb doing to me? Is this a prank? <laughs> <laughs> I pushed through. I hit the end of volume one. I'm like, okay. It, it's it's somewhat interesting at the end of volume one. Like as it kind of goes along, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm overlooking a lot of things that that I, I kept bouncing off of throughout. But by the end of volume one, I'm like, okay, oh, sure, all right, we'll we'll talk about this book. We'll move on to a good book. It's fine. <laughs> and then the email came in saying we should read more than volume one. And at first, I was angry because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to read anymore. And then I read volume two and I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like as I'm reading volume two, I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm, the art gets better. It's still not great, but there are some scenes that are quite well done. Mm. There's more nuance to the characters and to the scenes. And so by the end of volume two, I was like, okay, I might actually read volume three of this. Like it feels like the kind of story that gets better and better and it's it's a it's almost a shame that it starts off. I think, anyways, um, uh, poorly, because you can tell that the artist is just kind of figuring things out as they go. 
like in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of how they want to draw these characters and the the styles that they're choosing. And then I just started to think about like a lot of like kind of long running North American series too, and just how uh, how the art styles got better throughout. And it's it's a shame that the beginning is the thing that might turn people off of it because it's it's different than prose. Prose it's not as obvious when someone's kind of figuring things out. Uh, yeah. But with art, it's very obvious, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm not saying that the artist should George Lucas it and go back and <laughs> you know kind of clean up or fix because this is the process. It's just such a shame that the process is so public. Yeah, I, I got a lot to kind of nitpick at in this, but uh, but overall the world building was interesting and the characters are interesting and varied. So. Uh, I, I do want to see kind of where it goes from here. Yeah, maybe we'll cover volume three, four, five <laughs> down the road. But th- those are my initial kind of things with it. But we can get into it more later. Can I ask, how, how much has everyone read uh, then? Like, where is everybody yeah. at on this discussion? Uh, I read we don't... volume three. You read up to volume three? I read up to volume yeah. three as well. And Deb, you're a Died in the Wool fan, right? Like, you've read the whole thing? Died no, in the I've, I've read up to volume five. <laughs> there's quite a bit. It's like there's 22 volumes. Oh um, wow! And I did watch the anime, so that pretty much took oh, okay. me through the anime as well, the first season mm. of the anime as well. I will say that volume three, the um, the stakes get higher. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, there's there's a moment in this any manga series where you get okay, I'm in. Like, I, I like this. You know? like, don't 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 be worried to. Spoil it <laughs> but for me. but it's for me it was in volume three so which when I started reading it, I thought like oh shoot I gotta get you guys because for me it was the vol the story in volume three and I don't know if this was for same for you Chris and David but the chicken sal the ch- the egg salad sandwich <laughs> chapter was the one yeah. that did it for me the egg salad sandwich <laughs> you had mentioned that the egg salad sandwich chapter in B stars if everyone is a beast where do the eggs come from and then you find out. Oh my god! Okay, uh, <laughs> tell me. Just tell me. It yeah, comes out. Can... The, the eggs come from Lagoshi's classmate that sits next to him in one of the classes, and he's eating egg salad sandwiches for lunch because he can't wait until lunchtime. And she's sitting there having like an internal monologue about the eggs uh, and about carnivores versus herbivores and things. And it is. I know Deb didn't ask me yet, so I apologize. No, no, please, please. The (laughs) overwhelming feeling I get when reading Beastars is I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable (laughs) all the time. Uh, And it's good uncomfortable because it, it, like, that first, you know, the first volume where Lagoshi is hugging Haru, the egg salad stuff, the panda stuff in volume three, the, like, uh, the 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 internal, the black market, the the black market was actually fucked me up a little. The internal monologue that lewis has about her versus versus carnivores like it is profoundly uncomfortable and i i was i bounced off the first volume honestly a little bit i, re- I finished it the art i kind of knew going in i, I had I'd, I'd, I'd let's say paged through um the japanese version pretty intensely and i was okay. aware of what the art was but hearing the way that people talked about in both japanese and in english uh, i guess reading scans hearing people the way people talked about the story, which was at that point when I had read the Japanese, like maybe at volume six or seven, it was like, oh, there's something going on here. There's something really going on here that's really connecting with people. And just because the art's not there, 
uh, my feeling is just because the art's not there doesn't mean that the story can't be there. But yeah, so I was kind of prepared for the art going in. I was not prepared for, like, it really is Zootopia, but deeply fucked up. <laughs> has, actually, has everyone seen Zootopia? I have not seen Zootopia, so no. all of that is lost on me. Oh, no, no yeah. you're missing it's out. It's like if animal you, cops or something. If it's uh, only for the part where they go to the DMV. <laughs> yeah, the DMV with the sloth is. I've, I've, yeah, is I've seen hilarious. that clip before. People post the clip it's, of the sloth. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to Zootopia in that there's a, the two characters. It's a fox, and there's a um, there's a rabbit, and the rabbit wants to be a cop, but okay. all the other cops are like big um, carnivores, and then she's big like burly, a, you know, you know. And then she's like a, a little girl rabbit, and she wants to be taken seriously as a, as a policeman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how does how does she how do all these animals of different sizes and different proclivities work in this world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Zootopia does a real surface job of that, and that's some of the, that's where some of the, the 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 critical accolades come from. But it's also where some of the criticism comes from is that in a ninety minute movie that is animated, you're maybe not going to get into what everyone means. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, but yeah. whereas B stars is not afraid to go there it is just like non-stop like here's here's an idea that's going to make you uncomfortable and we're going to just pull it apart we're just going to go like tell so, me what you think about this so so sorry I'm, i i don't mean to derail this no 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 um, uh, so i just i just want to be clear zootopia is a animated movie for children teaching them that anyone can be a cop is that okay. yeah is that what zootopia is <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. Sorry, you can. It's more like anyone can do anything they want to, regardless of you know where they oh come from God. or who they are oh. or whatever. And it just happens that the one girl wants to be a cop. I love that it sounds like the more women prison guards tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I don't watch animated movies. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's all kinds of animal, you know, an, uh, anthropomorphized characters. Like, there's Black Sat too, right? Like, are they all those stories about him being an animal and how he fits into the animal kingdom, or about him being a detective? Black yeah. Sat is basically just you could. It's basically like a human de- nor detective story, mm-hmm. but just they've kind of like in Mouse, right? Where Mouse is Jews are mice and the Nazis are cats. Mm-hmm. And the French are dogs, or, or the Americans are dogs, and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't have those um, animal characteristics to do it. They're basically metaphors. Gotcha, Blacks yeah. in Black Sad, it's kind of the same thing. Like even though the detective is this Black Panther, and then you know, like like the like the skeevy villain is like a hyena. Like you can, there are certain things going on. But it, I think what Blue Stars does much more in your face mm-hmm. is you've got characters who in the animal world would want to eat each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that there's a tension there and yeah. these stars goes, they're probably more, I guess in more in greater detail. And it, it, yeah. And it, it kind of gets treated like a metaphor for a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. It starts off where, where the animal stuff isn't a metaphor. Yeah. What did, what did you think, David? I I liked it, um, but I kind of have weird feelings about it because I thought it would be weirder. Mm. Like it's almost a normal high school drama, just the cast happened to be uh, animal people. Mm. Like all the different, like, I don't know, I feel like it'd be very easy to transplant to like a human high school and have the exact same story. 
<laughs> but the art I actually loved. Ooh. I think in part because it's so rough and strange. Because the reason why I thought this would be weirder, aside from like the rep and like the animal high school thing, is that the mangaka's father does Baki the Grappler, which I've loved since I was a kid. And it's sort of okay. like if Image Comics had an Image Comic in terms of proportions. And they're just like really basic fight comics, but way over the top. And all of his, like, it's muscles on muscles. It's like if Popeye, Popeye's arms had further Popeye muscles popping out of those. It's absurd. <laughs> And because she has like this, you know, they hide their face. Like there's like the chicken mask that she wears when she draws or when she appears in public. I was like, oh, this is going to be like really strange and really out there. But it's like just a solid high school drama, you know, which is kind of disorienting. But I think that a lot of the angles she chooses and like the shots she calls are really good. Like really fascinating storytelling. The type of thing I'd be really excited to see if I picked it up at like an artist alley or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I get that. Like, they're like, for me, it was the actual. Like, it wasn't the storytelling. Though sometimes it would get a little too convoluted, and mm-hmm. the the layouts were interesting, um, which I appreciated. But just the, just the basic drawing skill was just not there. Like, yeah. especially especially at the beginning, like a lot of shortcuts, a lot of not understanding texture, a lot of throwing in texture because. The, the need to create, fill space, but the, but mm-hmm. the storytelling for the most part was actually super solid. Yeah, the moment where Lego she blocks the chinchilla from fighting Louis the deer, mm-hmm. and like reveals his teeth off panel. I thought that was like, oh, this is the stuff I love to see in comic books. Yeah, like a clever way to show or not show something like that. I still haven't had the point like where it really clicks for me, where I'm like, oh, like this is why it's great. Like here's why I love it. Mm. Yeah. The egg story was came pretty close. Like I was like, this is <laughs> extremely Is that weird awkward. enough for you, David? Is that weird enough for you? <laughs> and even in its weirdness, it was done in such like a mundane way. It was couched in the idea of her being, uh, having pride in her part-time job as opposed to being any kind of like awkward, like feelings kind of a thing. So it's like uh, weirdly mundane and weird at the same time, which is a good yeah. mix actually. Cause they, I mean, that's the thing. Cause they live this life. And yeah. we're observing it without the context of their every day. So what isn't as weird to them is supposed to be weirder for the reader. Exactly. So, yeah. So do you didn't find that, that the stuff in the third volume with the black market didn't amp it up to that point where you're like, okay, this has actually gotten to a fucked up place now? I'm curious, but I mean, it's definitely like at a messed up place. Like, absolutely. But it's not at the point where I'm like, here's like, I'm not all the way on the train. You know, mm. we should explain to Chip. I mean, I know it's spoilery, but we should explain what we mean by the black market. It's where you can go and eat meat. Yeah, basically. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. Um, yeah. So that that was going to be one of my questions as to whether or not they leave the school grounds. Because also, like, it's weird because they they clearly spent time building this world and thinking about the interactions between all these characters and the the herbivores and the carnivores. Mm-hmm. But I found how big it all seemed while also not having anything to do with school. Yeah. <laughs> and anything to do with outside of school. Like, oh, I think about these interactions and like, it felt like an island, a weird island. And that like to try and explore anything beyond that would just be just in insanity because like, 
but the they do it. Car- the herbivore carnivore tension, like within the school, yeah. is just like, well, there can't actually be a society beyond this. Like, if this they is they kind of get into that a little bit in volume three. Okay. I got the like impression that the school is sort of a walled garden. Like the kids yeah. have to stay there. It's almost where they're socialized for adult life. Yeah. But yeah, no, same feeling where it's very, it's an interesting mix of like weird ideas that don't quite hang together through anything but gumption, you know? Yeah. Like they just yeah. casually mentioned like there used to be dinosaurs and they have like a holiday <laughs> celebrating the end of the, or commemorating the end of the dinosaurs. And I'm like, how did this society, like, how did we get here? from eating each other, you know, millions of years ago. Yeah, it's almost yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's you know, the first two volumes anyways are just such a weird insular thing revolving mm-hmm. around this drama club which seems to be everything. Also, B-Star looks okay written <laughs> out, but it's a ludicrous <laughs> uh, designation <laughs> of her title. <laughs> Someone should have really (laughs) changed that at some point. The one thing that struck me too is like the focus was so much on the drama club in the first Mm -hmm. two volumes. I'm like, you know, there was a murder. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's no investigation. It's just like, oh boy, that sucks. Uh, That's why we have to have this like you know emergency meeting of the drama club on a Wednesday, a day we normally don't have drama club. Like what? Like yeah. so, someone was murdered and like they, they kind of gloss over it. And, you know, there's like a couple little points about it. And I'm assuming in later volumes, you know, it just simmers in the background for quite a while, but there is nobody investigating this. There's nobody really wondering who did this. There's not even enough clues for the reader to guess who it might be. No, like, no, no, no it could be thing. the deer I, for all I know. Yeah, yeah, there's there's nothing there. And so like as a reader, I'm just like, well, that's just like I guess that was just like to set a plot in motion, but but there is no murder mystery here because they haven't given us anything to make it feel mysterious. Mm-hmm. I will say that the things that happen in the black market maybe outline what the stakes are in a good way in this world. Like right now you've, you've seen like, and this is the first chapter of the first volume. This isn't spoilers. An alpaca, you know, gets murdered by something that appears to be a carnivore and this, like another, and he calls him a fellow student in a carnivore in the school. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how the, this is how the manga starts. But in a world where like every page is, you know, herbivores talking about how carnivores are constantly eating them and carnivores are talking about how herbivores are all assholes worrying yeah. about being constantly eaten. Maybe this is normal. Maybe you don't really under, like, maybe this is why there's not that much of an investigation or whatever. And it's not until I feel like the author is trying to tell this walled garden story, this very direct story in the first two volumes and then takes great pains in the third volume to open it up, to have the characters leave the school and go to the city to see the different aspects of what life is like outside of the school and what their lives are going to be like. The big, the big thing for me when I was reading this, that was like the thing that clicked actually was the, uh, the Eagle character goes with them to the, to the school or goes with them to leave the school grounds to go into the city. And it was just like a throwaway line. That's like, oh man, all the other birds are flying around. And then the other guy's like, oh right, you're not allowed to fly until you graduate high school as you get your your flyer's license, like driver's license, which I thought was a really good turn of phrase for the translation actually. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, no, that was pretty good. And it's like, oh shit, like this, like you, they really are in this school, in this place to like learn 
how to coexist in a, in a society beyond that exists beyond these walls and going into school and going into, you know, the town is like a sort of a step towards, you know, it's all metaphors. It's obviously metaphors yeah. and metaphors, but also I haven't found anything yet where the metaphors don't hold up either, where it's not just a metaphor that doesn't attach to anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh no, it's a metaphor, but also there's four pages minimum of notes at the end of every single volume where she's like, and here's what I, the world building for this and what I think about this and what I think about this and what I think about this. And I think that it is, I think it succeeds as sci-fi that has thought through its world. And I never, I just didn't think it would get to that point where it actually explained it was. I thought it was like a Shiro thing, Mazumune Shiro, who did uh, Ghost in the Shell and Appleseed and stuff, where he was really much more interested, especially in his early work, with the world that he was created rather than the stories that he was telling within those worlds, where there'd just be like pages and pages, sometimes entire chapters of like notes on the world that they're living in. And I thought we'd get that, where we'd get this sort of story that was like a high school story, and then all the really interesting stuff, the notes would be you know confined to the back. No, I think she dug in on that third volume like the chicken the chicken story this exile story i'm so glad i read that one but also <laughs> the whole black market three-parter like the there's some real disturbing prostitution uh metaphors that take place in that black market chapter that are like deeply disturbing but actually absolutely flow naturally from the you know i want to be devoured devouring people fighting their base urges stuff that happens in the first volume with Haru and, and Lagoshi. Like it's all it's all there. And that's what I think people really responded to, mm-hmm. you know, when they were reading it, when they were and then eventually when the anime came out, which is now most people's first introduction to these characters, I think. Yeah. That devouring and being devoured thing you mentioned reminded me that that also happened in the Boyce TV show. Based on the, the Bo- uh Ennis and Robertson really? and, uh, Russ Brown comic. Yeah, it was disgusting. Oh my gosh. Remind me again what part. I, I watched The Boys, but I'm trying to remember what you're... When there was the guy in the hotel room who was cutting pieces off himself for someone oh, else to eat. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy. <laughs> I remember yeah. that from the comic. Turns out it's not good for humans or animals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the metaphor is absolutely there. And I appreciate that it doesn't try to map the metaphor onto human life, like mm-hmm. I think a lot of things t- try to do. Yeah. It's not tight. It lets you in- explore it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it very much centers the real life behavior of the animals i think we haven't let deb talk uh, for a while uh or yeah. she's been actually really attentively <laughs> no, listening no uh, i just like fascinated listening. your take on this but but you started this saying oh i don't know this is a left field pick and we then we didn't actually ask you what you thought you were just maybe more worried what we all thought what did you what did you think what did you like what do you think of this series i i found it really thought-provoking in a way that you know as as people as um, as someone who enjoys eating meat <laughs> a lot, <laughs> it made me uncomfortable, <laughs> and I thought that was good. I also appreciated the fact that the um, Haru the rabbit is this isn't com- and her relationship with Lagoshi is so com- complex and hard to hard to box right. Like yeah. she's she's basically she looks like she her character is she looks like a a tiny, uh, weak little dwarf rabbit, and she knows her place in the food chain. But she also takes her power back by being very uh, sex positive. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she mm-hmm. she's very much in control of her of her sexual destiny. Yeah, and she um, like 
she gets confronted with this purebred rabbit who says, hey, how come you're stealing my boyfriend? And she goes, well, because you ain't good enough. <laughs> like, she's sassy. <laughs> and, she, and she's shunned for it, too. Like, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That, 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 all that stuff may be, I found it fascinating. And that's kind of where it clicked for me. And it was, it was, that was more uncomfortable for me than any of the kind of devouring stuff. Mm. Yeah. But I didn't get to the egg part, so it's hard to say. <laughs> you will you, the egg salad sandwich is well worth getting to. It's mm-hmm. it's really adorable because actually that apparently was such a, a memorable story that that's the character that she gets. She has a mask of that chicken's head, like this giant <laughs> that threw me off. chicken head. <laughs> and every every public appearance she makes, she's wearing that fluffy giant fluffy chicken head. It's fantastic. Like, I just saw this uh, video. Like she did an interview for a, a French magazine, and she's drawing her answers, like in pictures. Like she's they're asking her questions, and she's drawing her answers, and she's talking. And so she's drawing and talking while she's in this giant chicken head. It mm. is something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is commitment. I think that's partly why it was so weird to me is I was like, is this the author insert chapter? Like, is this a commentary on getting popular with these stars? <laughs> that, that actually makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh, like it works, right? Yeah. Just producing this thing for others. Yeah. And hoping they like it while like kind of be, <laughs> being able to see how they feel about it, but not wanting to pry too much. Yeah, and go. then also like working harder at it and having it not work the same, like having your feelings about it change. And yeah, there's there's definitely <laughs> metaphors for for creativity there. Yeah. Hey Deb, did you actually get to meet her at Angoulême the last time we were all allowed to leave the country? She was a guest at Angoulême when we were there together. What? Yeah, yeah. When me, you, and uh, Heidi were hanging out outside of that manga tent, waiting, trying to find a ride back to civilization, she was in there doing a signing. I guess you didn't, eh? No. So Chris, I'm standing why you bring there. That up? I, I was, I, I, Deb is usually very on it. Uh, and I was standing there <laughs> and I hadn't, I didn't have a copy of Beastars or anything. And she sat down with her, with her agent or her translator and uh, was getting ready. And I, I was like, oh, you know, could I say hi or get a picture? And they're like, oh, no, no, you can't get a picture. You can't get a picture. I thought she was just private about her appearance. And then I was like, okay, cool. Well, those are like an official line for her that's like off to the side because, you know, how they make, yeah. make lines far away. I'm not going to go stand in line for an hour. I'll just like wave and nod and, you know, be on my way. Uh, I didn't realize that she then probably put on a chicken head. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I would have stayed and got a photo of that for sure. That's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that brings up a point. She was B Stars was released two almost two years uh, before in France, before it was released in English. Mm-hmm. So I think that the art as an overriding factor for a lot of people was something that I think Viz, that I think anyone would have worried about, like looking at that first volume and going, I don't know. You know what I mean? But that the, the same thing happened with Attack on Titan, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Attack on Titan, the first volume is remarkably ugly and poorly drawn. Really? Mm. Yeah. I got booed at Comic-Con because I said it was the worst new book of the year at one of Deb's panels <laughs> because like amazing idea. <laughs> ugly comic but now you know however many volumes later my feelings are way more complex and i just want the finale we can all agree though it's still ugly right like it's it's still ugly ugly. comic thank you but i think it being so ugly and such a success is fascinating Mm-hmm. It's inspiring. Like there's, really, there's something there. I mean, I think there's yeah, something really interesting about manga, right? And I think that's <laughs> true about most comics. 
is that Mm -hmm. you can have a beautiful book with no story, Mm -hmm. but you can have an ugly book with a story and it would still be superior to the beautiful book with no story. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. There's a lot of, like I read a horrible amount of manga and a lot of it's very polished. And like, you can see like the art's very professional. Like they, the iconic moments look iconic, but it's sterile at the same time. Mm. Well, something like Beastars where it's really messy, like some of uh, the choices she makes aren't like the most professional, aren't the most effective, but they're really great storytelling choices. Like the vibe is so much better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's partly why I like finding books that kind of look like this, where they don't look like any other kind of manga or anything, really. Like, yeah. It's cool yeah. to see. I thought that was refreshing about this, right? I mean, that there's so much manga that is formulaic. There's so much manga mm-hmm. that is like a riff on a riff on a riff. That it's mm. like, oh, yeah, it's like this match with this turned into this. Or it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like this kind of isekai story, but instead of the, the magician being super powerful... It's like a slime, you know, it's like they just change little bits and it, but it's still basically the same formula. Beastars to me felt like this is like nothing I've read before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I probably would have been better with the art style. It's funny because I kept thinking about Helter Skelter while reading this mm. because that has such a distinct kind of naive in places mm-hmm. art style. But I ended up liking that art style a lot better than this because there was a consistency to it that mm-hmm. this yeah. lacked like the artist is trying a lot like whether it be like different shades of gray zip tones different line weights different kind of tools hatching no hatching like there's a lot going on here which i think if it was just pared down if if, if they just mm-hmm. kind of picked a style that united it, it all i mm-hmm. probably would have like helter skelter did i probably would have been a bit more into it i i, I bounce off of art like I, it's it's something I've done since I was like a, a teenager. Like, look, I was a huge Incredible Hulk guy. Peter David's run, boom, that was me. That was that was me. Yeah. When I was like from ten through fourteen or whatever. But there there was an art change that I didn't like, and it didn't matter how much I liked the story, I couldn't read it anymore. And mm-hmm. and huh. and it's, it's one of those things. That's, it stayed with me. Like I can't, you know. Hey, shout out to Marvel DC. I can't read ninety percent of your books. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't like like doesn't matter if I love the writer if the art doesn't hold it up I, I'm I'm gone I just can't I can't take it so I mean it's a testament to this you know maybe it's the fact that I have to do a podcast about it <laughs> <laughs> well here here's something this is a cartoonist this isn't a writer artist team this is a cartoonist yeah so this is the person who's making the story also making all the physical marks on the page and I think mm-hmm. that that is really interesting and different. It is like an auteur vision as opposed to an assembled product. I mean, it's also an assembled product because manga is commercial, but this is, this is one person doing this. Sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. In terms of like being an auteur, like I think a lot of times somebody doesn't necessarily have the passion for drawing, but wants to get the story out. And so Mm. the drawing is just a means to an end to get that story out. And sometimes it's the reverse. Sometimes somebody writes a thing just in order to draw stuff that they want to draw. I, I, I can't say for certain if, if um, this cartoonist loves to draw, uh, maybe certain things they love to draw, but they're clearly super invested in the story and the characters in the world. And, and that comes through. But uh, yeah. Reading the backup material, I feel like I feel like she legitimately loves it. I think the way she yeah. talks about the way she draws Legoshi, uh, like 
not only hunched over and it, you know, it goes a little far, but it's, this is a rare manga where the art changes in a noticeable way between the first and last page. Even I think this is only her second full manga that she did. And before that it was short stories sort of set in the UC universe called beast complex, which has either just been released or just about to be released. You know, I read, I finished reading volume three and it's, absolutely still her but it is it does take into account all the things that you're mentioning where it's like oh she has picked a specific kind of line weight for how she wants to draw this thing like how she wants to draw fur or she has stopped shading things just by scribbling in with a tech pen until it's it's dark enough and, and things like that i think it is i think her skills as an artist are catching up to her ambition as an artist but at the same time I just don't know if this looked like Zootopia from volume one, I don't know that it would resonate in the same way. It looked too clean. It, it Yeah. It's very personal looking. So the yeah. personal feeling stuff that would otherwise be really awkward, like the devoured devouring thing that happens, which is told from a female character's point of view and written and drawn by a woman, I think has a different kind of resonance, in, especially in the first volume. Uh, yeah. Haru's, Haru's whole thing reads a different way because it's written and drawn by a woman, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want this to be a clean style at all. Like I no. said, mm. it's more the consistency. Like I'm looking at a page right now where it's a group shot of some of the uh, anthrop- anthropomorphized characters and they're like, so many things going on. There's like a, a, there's a, a, a gray wash level there is stippling on an elephant over the gray. And then the elephant suit has like thick cross hatching. And then another character has thin cross hatching who's in the foreground, which also doesn't work. Like if you're going to do that, like reverse it. And like, there's so much happening that it's, it's distracting. Like I I like a messy style and I think this, this works with a messy style. And yeah, I'd be interested to just kind of see the, the the final volume to see the kind of the progress. And there there are just things that distract me so much, like where otherwise I'd be like, oh, this would be such a great reveal if I didn't have these issues. Maybe it's just me, but like uh, Haru, the one page where she's disrobing, mm. you know, it's a it's a great vantage point. Like it should work really well, but her arm is broken in three places. And I can't get past it. I just can't get past it because I'm like, this is your big moment. And like, <laughs> it's, it's just so awkward. I would say that this is maybe similar to Attack on Titan in that Attack on Titan mm. didn't really blow up until the anime came out. Mm. And that the, the visual storytelling was so much clearer and it was better drawn <laughs> in the mm. anime. It was yeah. so much more dynamics that so people really got turned on to that story and were willing to go in because for when it first came to the US, it sold terribly. And then really? yeah. it hit and then bam, right? In this case, because at B Stars is on Netflix only, I don't think it really had that kind of same type of bump, sales bump like by it being did, I promise. <laughs> huh? I'm not trying to be a dick, but it super did. It did. Uh, it oh, really, really did. Um, did the anime help it a lot? Yes. I was just looking up the ICV2 bestseller lists, and Ooh. the most recent volume, uh, volume eight, made the top 20 uh, graphic novels Ooh. in the month that came out. And the only other stuff that's on there 
that's you know manga is stuff that has anime adaptations the anime bump mm-hmm. is real and it's huge and netflix mm-hmm. didn't used to move the needle very much i'll be honest mm-hmm. but because anime fans were really locked into the crunchy roll ecosystem and that uh with funimation getting its own uh channel well i guess permanently now and then netflix getting more and more and more anime i think it's it's opened up a little bit more but yeah the netflix bump was huge and i don't think i honestly don't think it would have been licensed if the netflix anime wasn't either announced or in the works to be completely honest with you because it did come Mm -hmm. out so early in other places but i will say exactly to your point there was a huge groundswell of support for the series in Japan and among the Scanlation readers before the anime was announced. People really liked this for the story and for the manga, but the anime is the thing that just pushes it into the mainstream. And that's mm-hmm. just, you know, there are more people that have access to Netflix than have access to a bookstore. That's just kind of how things are. I think one of the challenges too was that it, when you present something on Netflix, right, you, it, there's always this challenge where it, people will think, oh, it's a kid's show. It's like, oh, mm. no, it's not. <laughs> it really isn't. Cute animals. No, it is not a kid's show. <laughs> so, sorry, is the anime, I know this isn't anime explaining, but is it, um, is the style more <laughs> akin to Zootopia than the original artist's vision? Or, like, what? what's... If you've got access to Netflix, you should just go turn it on. Uh, it's immediately apparent. Uh, yeah. What style it's in. Um, but... The drawing is more on model. Let's put I, it that way. Yeah, sorry. That's what <laughs> I was thinking. I, yeah, I can't afford Netflix. I'm buying like five <laughs> of these a week now. <laughs> Fair. So Beastars was a CG anime, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Um, I haven't seen it yet. I plan to watch it. Uh, some friends liked it quite a bit. But I think that one thing that CG anime does that isn't good for a lot of adaptations is that it's very on model all the time. Uh, you don't get like the the stretching, like the extreme proportions you would see in in like a a drawn image, for lack mm-hmm. of a better phrase. But I think for a series like this, it would actually kind of make things coalesce a little better. Like it would bring mm-hmm. it closer to being. Uh, I want to say acceptable. That's like totally not the right word. But more expected. <laughs> palatable. Palatable, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Palatable for the masses. Like a good example is Ajin Dimihuman is a manga that I love. It has a very clean style and it's CG anime. Like I can't watch like the manga mm. is so much better. Yeah. Uh, Drifting Dragons is the same for me too. Yeah. Too and then stiff. there's something like Blam, which is a very messy manga and it's beautiful in its messiness, but the anime actually works because it brings that back some and makes it a little more on model. And I feel like the mm. same thing's probably true of this where like it grounds things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you can really kind of sink into the world and not hit the speed bumps that um, all of us hit differently. Because yeah. there are scenes, like a great example is in volume two, page 148 is the end of chapter 14. And there's like a strange drawing of Legoshi looking back over his shoulder. And then like the next 10 pages are the amazing sta- scene on the stage, which mm-hmm. is like full of probably the drama that I enjoyed the most out of the three volumes so far where like they stage the fight and then Louis comes back all of a sudden and like has a sword. Yeah. And there's it's, just like such good drama in there and it's a hot mess at the same time. It's weird. When I read that, I thought to myself, I think David's going to like this scene. Yeah. <laughs> when he throws away the knife and slaps the guy, like yeah. that is exactly the type of thing that I like. <laughs> in life and yeah. in manga. <laughs> That's pretty good that you could feel that you could feel the David moment. Yeah, I've got a very well defined brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm getting it now. <laughs> but even with the page where he slaps him, it looks like paste up. 
like you can kind of see the process behind it a little bit. Mm. You can really see the like the the making of the comic when reading this manga. I think. Yeah, mm. there are a couple of really nice flash pages, like Lagoshi walking out onto the stage. I screen capped that where yeah, it's, and I will crush you. That that's when I was like, oh yeah, this is David's. And mm-hmm. then the splash mm. page with uh, Bill, this kind of over over his shoulder and you just see the back and the, the sliced ribbons. Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was really so intense for like a high school drama play. It's very intense. <laughs> and he's like, don't let the audience see your wounds. It's like, yeah. this guy's bleeding from seven like <laughs> gashes. Yeah. <laughs> but the show must go on. <laughs> oh man. But this is, I remember while I was thinking like, I would love a hundred more comics like this where it's like someone trying something weird and awkward and like sometimes nailing it sometimes not but like always kind of making me wonder what they're going to knock out of the park yeah yeah there is that yeah i I exist in japan man they're all out Mm -hmm. there we just don't we just don't license them because i mean like yeah we we, we don't give give, (laughs) like here there's just not the runway i guess to Mm -hmm. do that Mm -hmm. and the only thing really comparable i mean there's maybe a few things comparable but the cerebus Mm, where yeah. the first few issues of that, like, okay, so here's my Cerebus story. Like <laughs> I, I avoided it for years because I knew, um, Dayson was a creep. So no, um, <laughs> this is, this is early days. And then I, I did one of my first conventions and, um, uh, I did a win a date with chip raffle. <laughs> <laughs> did he win? <laughs> no, no, nobody knew who I was. Nobody, nobody knew who I was. This is just me trying to promote my comic. And I was young and beautiful. And <laughs> I was not. The winner was this uh, young lady who it turns out she was the daughter of the printer who printed Cerebus. Like it was like one of the only Amazing. things this printer printed. Wow. And so we, w- we went on the date. It was a very weird date. She was this goth girl who wanted to go to the keg mansion for steak and milk. And I had to sit there and watch her eat steak and milk for this dinner. Just, just a weird thing. She had no sides. Just steak and milk. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> All right, I was already, like, steak and milk at the same time? Like, <laughs> Yeah, she's this very tiny goth girl, and she had this weird deep voice, and she was like, no sides, please. And I'm like, okay, sure. And so it's just steak and did a glass of milk. But on the date, she gave me volume one, like the phone books of Cerebus. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, I've never actually read it. And she's like, oh, it's a masterpiece. I got home. I started to read it. I'm just like, this is garbage. This is a hot garbage. This is like one of the worst drawn things. Just a bad superhero parody. Like, I don't know if, if any of you have read it. I'm sure Chris being Canadian. I did the first have... two. Yeah. yeah, I've read the first four. Yeah. And then selected other issues. Yeah, I, I I bounce off it, but then I would see like later volumes, and they're they're gorgeous and so well done. And I'm just like, it's amazing. I mean, that was a that was a time in North American comics where um, there's like a black and white comics could kind of get a foothold and be yeah. that kind of long running thing. And those phone books were just so such an interesting format to collect them in. Uh, yeah. There's just not there's not really the avenue for that now. I guess it's just online comics, but yeah, online comics have replaced that. There's no cheap printing anymore, unfortunately. Not no. in this country, but in Japan there is, and that's why we get doujinshi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so something like this. I like the fact that there's the the experimenting going on. I do appreciate it, and it's the North American reader in me that wants to bounce off of 
the initial volume. And I'm, I'm recognizing yeah. that now, especially talking to you guys about this, because because I just won't give it a shot <laughs> if I don't mm-hmm. if I don't get grabbed by it right away, because I want everyone to be fully formed going in because, you know, there's only going to be 10 issues of this, 20 issues of this, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with this, there's not that. Like, I'm just like, oh, you know, there's 22 volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe it should give it more of a chance. And I was rewarded. Like, volume two, I, I definitely enjoyed it more. And I'm mm-hmm. sure volume three, just hearing you all talk about the black market stuff and my new favorite character, the chicken and the eggs. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I probably, I probably would enjoy this a lot more as it went on. Please buy this after this episode is over. Please read that and then text me later to let me know what you thought. I would really appreciate <laughs> I, I, that. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Your the picture. website. I'm going to the website. I'm pressing buy on it. <laughs> this, this is live. This is live. I'm <laughs> explaining. I have Dan logged in. Chris, how would you characterize uh, Shonen Champion? You said this ran in. Like what yes. kind of? It's one of the magazines with a sexy live action girl on the cover instead of comics. Yeah. And it's from Akita Shoten, which is a, a Wait, what? Akita Shoten is also the publisher of Baki. So yeah, she actually just she she uh, sent in her submission for for Beast Complex and Beast Stars to Akita Shoten under an alias uh, like Paru Itagaki. No one knew when they accepted her that it was the daughter of the guy who makes Baki, which I think is kind of hilarious and amazing personally yeah wow they end up having the same editor too (laughs) the editor's like wait a minute (laughs) uh i I I didn't i didn't make the connection until like it had to be super obvious to me somebody just told me there was a there was a picture of her in the chicken outfit and keisuke itagaki shaking hands and it says on the caption yes their father and daughter (laughs) <laughs> like it, ha- it had to hit me over the head that hard from like, oh, because Itagaki is not a super rare Japanese name, mm-hmm. but I would not have made the connection unless someone told me. But I thought to myself, like you know, after after I heard that and I started reading her stuff, I thought, yeah, there's there's something about maybe growing up as the daughter of a of a mangaka who does some really over the top. crazy ass manga yeah that makes you feel like yeah i can do some crazy ass shit too like you know like anything goes (laughs) i love comics families pages lying around the house of dudes getting absolutely eviscerated that'll that'll affect the manga that you make yeah but the magazine it seems so i say it had a sexy girl on the cover because it's Mm. like shonen jump has like you know naruto or something but this one's like here's a lady wearing jewelry and then also Mm. some comics we publish as well Yes. So I feel like it's meant for nerds, possibly. It's, it's, an, like older, an, it's an older demographic than Shonen Jump, it's I think. Be, yeah. So you think about Shonen Manga. This is the magazine that Blackjack by Tezuka originally uh, ran in. So Blackjack is like a medical manga with like Doctor of the Week, like problem of the week where this underground doctor does stuff except it's got like gruesome eviscerations and things in it for example it's the one that ran iron walk jan the most violent cooking manga ever that like 
grabbed a hold of the internet's heart in like 1996. It ran Scryd, which you, David, as someone who read a lot of Barnes & Noble may remember. But it also runs like Super Radical Gag Family and... Uh, it ran Yawaramushi Pedal, which is the like oh. cycling manga that got a huge anime that was like really popular for a while there. Like it's a mm-hmm. weird shonen magazine. It's weird. It's just a weird, weird it's shonen. Ed- it's edgy. It's- yeah, edgy is a good way yeah. to describe it as well. But at the same time, it's like the style of shonen jump has has become very codified. The style mm-hmm. of the I want to say shonen ace, but it's not shonen ace. Shonen ace is the uh, media works or what is that now? Um, it's uh, Katakawa magazine mm. uh, that, that runs Evangelion, for example. Very much codified uh, what goes into that magazine. The Square Shonen magazines, Square Enix Shonen magazines, all look exactly like anime to me. <laughs> no offense to the Square folks. <laughs> but this, everything looks really different from okay. each other. I feel like it's there's a lot more editorial freedom because can you like this is a shonen magazine could you imagine this first volume running in shonen jump no they would have sent her back to the mines for five years to uh, clean up her <laughs> clean up her style get rid of all of her you know her ticks and then come back again so yeah i think okay. uh and I that's not even a knock on jump that's just they're the most popular you know yeah. brand in the world for comics like this is not a knock but like absolutely there is space i think in uh in japanese comics and in japanese translated comics for stuff that doesn't look like you know the most commercial the most commercial mm-hmm. stuff yeah cool i mean i think with sasaki-san who's editor of shonen jump for many mm. years and he's at viz now was i think he said something like american audiences like pretty art mm. like they have a hard time with art that doesn't look polished or uh, yeah nice or cute yeah, i think or, that's true that it's otherwise there's a, there's like a strong reaction to something that is just kind of ugly. Mm. I think like uh, one manga that would come comes to mind is Kaiji. <laughs> oh, that aggressively ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is on my list to recommend, by the way. Mm. <laughs> and we will get around to Kaiji. <laughs> yeah, but then there's that gambling manga that's so popular that Square Enix publishes Kakegurui, which just like even hit a new height of popularity those are two manga that that are about like gambling and fighting but one is like you know beautifully drawn you know high school kids doing you know in a in a messed up school for high schoolers and kaiji is just like out in the real world and people are losing fingers like it's a very different (laughs) different thing those don't run in the same magazine in japan so you would be surprised how many fingers are lost in Kakigurui. <laughs> there you but go. you're right. One is very slick and the other is much more rough and indie looking, I think. But Chip, what were you going to say? Oh, I'm just fascinated that there's gambling manga as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. It is so extremely much reckless with the manga. idea of gambling addiction. <laughs> <laughs> there's like whole magazines just devoted to just Mahjong manga. Yeah, Mahjong manga magazines. Wow. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned a runway for creators earlier. Like, imagine having an industry where you could be like, I have this amazing idea for a shoots and ladders comic and like getting to run for 10 volumes. Mm. That's the dream. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually had a question for Deb because I don't usually do this, but I was really curious how something like Beastars would translate into anime. So I actually watched all of the episodes that correspond to the volumes that I read, uh, one to three, which I think is like the first six, six and a half episodes. Did the homework. Yeah. Well, I really wanted to for this one because it's such a weird and complex series that I felt like Mm -hmm. I wanted to like, well, 
like we talked about, I wanted to make sure that I was giving it its due. Deb, do you like the anime more or the manga more? <laughs> I find the manga, I find the anime easier to follow. Mm. Um, like there, there are some t- certain aspects of the story because there's so much visual noise and mm-hmm. so much captions and so much, there's so much stuff going on in the manga. It can be a little hard to follow a through line. Mm. The anime is a little more disciplined in that respect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They rearrange certain story events to make it make sense. <laughs> For example, Was the egg salad sandwich in the anime. Yes, it is. It is, but they bump it out of where it appears in the the volume order. Actually, they okay. go, they finish the entire black market arc, and then they do that as like a one off thing that happens in the next episode, which I think is an interesting take on that. That that happens after the black market instead of before, because it really changes how you read the egg eating situation. Yeah. Frankly, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's hard. I mean, I like I like both. Mm. I read the manga before I watched the anime, so I, you know, I had a different appreciation of it. Mm-hmm. Mm, I would say that, you know, like I've, I've been since we started doing this, and I started thinking, like, you know, what makes a manga rec- recommendable to someone who's new to manga, right? Yeah. And there's so many things. There's so many manga that I personally love that basically don't make the list because of this, at least five to ten reasons. Yeah. Um, you know. Art's ugly. It's too weird. It's too. It's too otakui. You know, like or it's like, ugh. It's it's too etchy, or it's too. Um, or it doesn't get good till volume nine. Right. <laughs> you know, it's too much. Right. <laughs> so with B stars, it was one of those books that I thought it's so different mm. than what we've read so far, mm-hmm. and it's mm. thought provoking, and it's it's not the prettiest manga, but it's got something to say. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All righty. And we are back from our little break. Hopefully we made some money with an ad. (laughs) (laughs) Manga's expensive. Yeah. Let's go to our question from our mailbag or email bag or comment bag, however you want to put this. All right. We got one from Dakazu. Dakazu does a podcast too called Manga Machinations. And he's saying, I wanted to know if any of the hosts have a series they would love to see licensed in English. Beastars was mine before Wiz licensed it. Now my white whales are Yumiko Shirai's Wombs and Naoki Urasawa's Billy Bat. I love the podcast. P.S. Please may Chip read Kaiji. <laughs> what is Kaiji? Kaiji is the story of a guy who gets on a boat to gamble and then gets locked in that boat and trapped at sea in a life or death gambling uh, situation with hundreds of other dudes. And All you right. can win and have your debt wiped out, or you can lose and have your debt, I don't know, 
Quintuplized. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. It's it's really it's um it's an old school uh, manga. It's very popular in Japan. It's gone on for many years. It has an anime too, but it the artwork is very strange. <laughs> yeah. Like bad strange or good strange? I think good strange. It looks okay. like an Adult Swim cartoon from like, or it looks like it could have been an Adult Swim cartoon uh, from like the Aqua Teens era. Okay, all right, mm. yeah. But it is interesting. So let's. So obviously, we're going to talk about Kaiji at some point because it is available in English from uh, Denpa Books, and we'll get to that at some point. But now let's see. I'm sure, Chris, David, you might have a manga or two in Japanese that you wish was in English. Uh, I'll let Chris pick? go first. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> Boy, I have so many manga. And also I know a bunch of stuff that's been licensed but not announced yet. So I can't. I'm really worried about what I'm about to say. I will say the manga that we picked last week, uh, even though we're adults uh, by, sorry, um, even though we're adults by Takeko Shimura, uh, was one that I really wanted to get translated into English. And I was really worried it wouldn't. And it did. So that was nice. Actually, it was a nice surprise. I guess it would be going back a little bit. Oh, sorry. The other one I always wanted was number five, but uh, by Tao Matsumoto, which only got two out of eight volumes released. But they've announced that that's coming out too in omnibuses. So <laughs> I'm, I'm batting a thousand right now. Honestly, the probably the one I want to see the most is The Lonely Gourmet or The uh, Solitary Gourmet, which is by Jiro Tanaguchi. Tanaguchi's one of my top three manga creators, comic comic creators all time. He did The Walking Man in a Distant Neighborhood. And, oh, they just released a journal of my father, right? Vanford Bonamon just did that one as well. Lonely Gourmet was actually turned into a live-action TV series. And it's about a middle-aged salaryman who goes out sometimes on lunch, sometimes after work, and always just eats alone. And he eats at a different real-world Tokyo restaurant after every one. And it's about enjoying food, but also taking time for yourself and also being a middle-aged man, which I am becoming against my better will. And I have read, uh, I was actually you know, back back to that last exhibition in France that, that Deb and I were at, at Angoulême. They had an exhibition of Taniguchi's work and they had a subtitled episode of The Lonely Gourmet playing on a video in that in one of the rooms in the exhibition. And I sat there and just like watched a whole 15-minute episode. It was fantastic. And they had some translated. It's in French. So I, I've, I've read a couple of stories because my French is almost good enough for that. And I love it. It is. It would sell very poorly. <laughs> to be translated. <laughs> I know that people have tried to get it before, but it's such a hit in it's here's a here's a translation problem. Here's a, a publishing problem. That book is such a hit in Japan. It was like his last great hit before he unfortunately passed away. Massive, massive bestseller. Has had multiple editions come out with new stories that he's done later. Huge, huge in Japan. It would sell, we'd be lucky to sell 1,500 copies in North America. So it'd have to probably have to have a 2,000 copy print run on a hardcover. That is not acceptable to the Japanese licensor. <laughs> to take this massive thing and go, we're going to sell 2,000 copies of it in our giant territory when it's even sold 10 grand in, in, in France, in the French territories. It, licensor's just like, it's not worth our time to even sign the contract like it's not worth our time to set up a contract to do this for you we will lose money on staff hours for that and it's like you can't argue with that like our, our industry wasn't developed enough for the longest time and now it is really developed but it's just gone in a way it's gone in a very shown insane in way we need to use the podcast 
to evangelize for Jiro Taniguchi. That's the only reason I signed up to do this. Makes sense. I knew it. That's the only reason I signed up for it, too. Yeah. Matt yeah. Alt actually took me to a, a restaurant at Kichijoji. Mm-hmm. It was a Showa-era type restaurant. And he says, this was in uh, Solitary Gourmet. Oh, so, so next nice. time we go back, I'll take you because it was very good food. Oh, was, that's it, so good. It was like just like diner food, like but just like home cooking, like this old lady was making the like, food. It was really the whole decor was very like like a, a moment in the 60s. It was great. We can't go so down good. this road again after. Oh, uh, my God. Last, <laughs> after last week's episode, <laughs> my stomach can't take it. The one where Chip oh. and I had both not eaten before talking about a food <laughs> Yeah, manga. exactly. Yeah, uh, I'm in the same yeah. position. <laughs> I'll keep my picks short. Two are impossible for different reasons, but one, uh, we'll see. So my first pick is Hajime no Ippo, which is a boxing manga. Uh, I love it. It's 136 volumes. That's the one we saw the art show for, Chip. Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, that's that's so gorgeous. Yeah, then there's no way it won't sell enough here to justify. Like, no publisher would take it on. It'd be a nightmare. Like, oh. even just logistically, like that's like 20 years of work. But I want yeah. it, so someone please do this for me. But there, it's Kodansha, and they're publishing Ace of the Diamonds. So, is that mm. also that long? It's getting nice. there. See, okay, <laughs> I'm getting closer to the world that I want. Um, there's also best of collections <laughs> if you need a. Hint. Oh, the best of collections are great. Yeah, it's, right? it's like the best fights. <laughs> yeah, like like is is it the kind of thing like with Oshimbo where you can pick and choose, uh, it, or does it kind need of, to be like there's definitely a plot, but it's like sports guy gets better at doing sports. Yeah, you know, so you can pick and choose for sure. Oh, so a lot it's of the a books... sports manga then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like a lot just... of the books I bought in Japan were like individual fights, kind of bound into one volume. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um for for the the listener, when we were in Tokyo, uh we went to art gallery showing pages from this manga and it's w- one of the most beautiful exhibitions I've ever seen. Um once again anchored by terrible paintings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did not no, like that color art. <laughs> that I think about it. But the black and white pages were it it, it might be some of the the greatest action sequences I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's not uh, translated for uh, a North American audience is uh, criminal. Like that's yeah. gorgeous work. It's so good. Uh, Nick Dragata agreed with you completely. I think I was sick and half asleep when Chris texted me that you guys were going to this event. And I was like, please yeah. get me a replica page or something. <laughs> I was so yeah. sad you couldn't go. I know. Yeah. I know next time <laughs> yeah i'm glad i dragged nick to it because he was thrilled to see it as well yeah blew his mind. As, as both you know as far as chip and nick could as with concern i mean you could just look at the pure craftsmanship it was great to see yeah yeah the stuff like that makes me a little depressed <laughs> as an artist uh, there is that but Sorry, my second pick is impossible it's called change it was actually re- pointed out to me by carl lee who works at yen press who i've known for almost 20 years now which is oh crazy but it's a manga about a young uh lady in school in japan whose love of the japanese language ends up getting her into going to rap battles at nighttime wow <laughs> <And> so- <laughs> Yeah. And I want it so bad, but there is no way. I honestly don't think you could do a good job translating this manga into English and still keeping all of the wordplay, all of the um, 
just everything about it, like it sounds like it would be such a difficult mountain to climb. So I guess I have to become fluent in Japanese so that I can read this manga. I wow. feel like yeah, that a lot. <laughs> it just sounds so up my alley. Uh, like the drawings are good. Like the, there's lots of like crowd reactions in the battles. It just sounds super dope. But the one I actually want, the one I think is actually feasible is called uh, Batuki. And I think it might be a Kadokawa book, but it's about Capoeira, like a young oh, girl in oh. Japan. I think she's orphaned and she ends up meeting this guy who's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, can, I can teach you how to fight and protect yourself. And it changes her life. And there are all these great drawings. Like there's a lot of Capoeira songs in there. It just seems like such an interesting manga with a very limited focus in the US, but it's unique. Like it's something that I would like to see more of. So that's definitely my like feasible pick for a license. <laughs> back, back, back to the unfeasible pick. Yeah. Like there's, there's such crossover between rap and comics. Mm-hmm. Who in the rap community is the biggest kind of manga fan that you could bring in to help kind of. Oh, to like write new bars. Over? That is a good question. I think Megan, the stallion's the most popular manga fan. Yeah. Uh, she's mm. done like the cosplay and everything, and it gave everyone weird feelings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I would get to write it, actually. Yeah. Definitely someone like no one from like when I was a teenager listening to rap. I feel like all those dudes, even though they watched anime, like there's Fist of the North Star jokes on Wu Tang albums. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, like they're kind of out of the age range that I would want to see. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want like that's the kind of question where you're like, where do you find a lyric supervisor? You know, yeah. how do you? Yeah, you might have to be the editor for that one, David. Yeah, I feel like it's plausible, <laughs> but you you definitely you'd need a team of people to do it. Yeah, not just like a translator. And I feel like it would be love it or hate it. Like you'd either nail it or fall completely short. Because mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. see doing like a medium job on a book like that. Yeah, that uh, makes it uh, makes it intriguing to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like I like the kind of projects where you're either it's either going to go great or you're done. <laughs> so wait, Deb, what you didn't you didn't offer oh, up a pick? What yeah. was your what's your license request? Mm, I think I'll go with David's route, where there's one that I think is plausible and one mm-hmm. that I think is impossible. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, the the plausible one is um, the biography of Hokusai by Shotaro Ishinomori. Oh, I would love that. It's like a one volume book. It's like about 600 pages. And it's this beautiful biography of the the famous art, the artist who did the famous wave painting with with black print and his life from his middle age to his death. And it's, it shows all these, I mean, he's basically like, he's kind of like Picasso in a way, like the way that he was like, he loved to he loved to screw women. <laughs> he, was, he loved to do like these really bigger than life type things. Like he would do these um, paintings that were like the size of a giant room with a big brush nice. that was as big as a person. Oh, awesome! And just do this giant portrait of a dragon. And like Takehiko Inoue has done stunts like that, but it's pretty rare that yeah. someone is that good at drawing and yeah. that willing to go all out there and do something. The art is great. I think Ishinomori's work is so underappreciated. Like we went to see his museum in Sen- in Sendai, no Ishinomaki. Yeah. I, I think yeah. one of the books I want to bring to the table is um they have Go Ranger, the Super Sentai. Oh yeah. It is shocking that's never been translated. No, it like is. The, the manga origin of the tra- of the did that get translated? No, that's coming out from uh, Seven Seas. It's in oh, a good for months. them. Yeah, so I'm gonna. Oh, good, good. 
I'm going to bring it because it's it's the version of Japanese superheroes with like speed lines like you would not believe. <laughs> like this is like this is like Jack Kirby action with like anyway. So um, Hokusai book I think is perf is a wonderful size. It's a relatable story. This this is his art at the best. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the same stage when like uh, Tezuka was doing like Otakirito mm-hmm. or his Hitler book. Like yeah. you know, just at the height of his visual storytelling abilities. So I think it's mm-hmm. a, it's a great one. I but like those. That's the one you showed me at. I don't know if you showed it to me in France or you showed it to me at the Ishinomori Museum, but like it's dirty. It's yeah. a dirty book. There's boobs and like bits all over the place in that one. Oh and it goodness. looks like it's drawn in a Tezuka kind of style. So it's kind of cartoony in a way that like they're going to have to slap a hardcover and a chip kid cover on that one to make sure the kids don't get a hold of it like they did with the Tezuka. <laughs> I think it's great. I think with it's the Ayako really treatment. Uh, yeah, no, I would love. To, I would love that. I actually bought his uh, sumo book that he did. That was like a one volume sumo manga because uh, I loved his illustrations there. Yeah, Ishinomori, man, he's he's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree. His time will come. So that was your implausible one, right? Was did you have a plausible? No, the, the implausible. That was the plausible one. That one. I could oh wow! See, I could see like D and Q picking up and doing a good job with it, mm. or fanographics or whatever. But like the one I think is never going to come is a Shiori experience. Mm. Um, I don't know that one. What, oh, uh, you don't. It's good. It's by oh. um, Kazuya Machida and Yuko Osada. It's basically about a middle-aged high school teacher who used to be in a band with her girlfriends when they were teenagers. And she's kind of like going through this early midlife crisis. And then she meets the ghost of Jimi Hendrix in her closet. Oh, I do know this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Jimi Hendrix basically <laughs> plugs, takes a guitar jack and plugs uh, it into the back of her neck and imbues her with the power of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, it's like, the, but the sheer energy and joy of this drawing is just hilarious. And then over time, this, you know, the more characters come in, there's a character that looks like a fat version of Prince. There's a character that <laughs> there are like characters that look like all these different rock stars. And there's it's just a hilariously energetic book because like all of a sudden there's a school talent show and the, the mousy school teacher gets jacked in by Jimi Hendrix and she starts <laughs> <laughs> I was introduced to this by the someone did a cover gallery on Twitter. And the evolution of her going from like a newbie guitar player to shredding is awesome. It's really great. The energy yeah. is wonderful. But I, I know that it probably won't ever be licensed because uh, there's probably issues with the Hendrix estate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. I mean, I feel the same way about the other book, uh, Bokuwa Beatles, which is like a story about a Japanese Beatles cover band. It goes back in time and before the Beatles ever came out. And then they become famous doing Beatles songs before the Beatles ever came out. Wait, so Wait, wasn't a, there a movie about that? Yeah, yes, there was. Yesterday. There, there was, but there was also like a French graphic novel. Because like, there was, I remember when the movie came out, like there was discussion about the fact that like, oh, they're ripping off this French graphic novel. <laughs> but I didn't realize there's also a Japanese book. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah, wow. that's something I've been wanting to read, but it's, you know, probably obviously the li- music licensing issues are there. Yeah. yeah. Or, or at least there's maybe the fear that they're going to get their asses sued off 
or Fair. or laughed out of the room but if they even approach the estate <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know man there's a there's the Jimi hendrix uh, estate did approve a, a graphic novel adaptation bill sankovich did one and it actually got re-released a couple of years ago they seem pretty cool with the comic books uh even unofficial comic books from japan someone should someone should ring them up someone should ring them up that's that's my take and that would make that very happy and that would be nice chip you're you're in touch with the Jimi hendrix estate aren't you can't you make that happen? yeah yeah sure i'll I'll make it happen (laughs) (laughs) thanks man i love that i i I have an implausible one as well do do yeah last year uh one of my marvel books spider-man life story was translated uh, into a manga with a very Mm -hmm. adorable cover by a by a Japanese artist, and I would like to see it translated back. I want to see that too, actually. Like, is one of my favorite things is uh, Sorry, translating it a was thing translated into a manga. Yeah. What do you, yeah, like it just got a Japanese translation, or someone like did a new version of it and made it like a no, no, no. Like, it's like just manga? it's just they just translated the okay. comic as is, and I want to see it translated back into English. <laughs> that would be really interesting changes. yeah yeah because yeah. you know sometimes it was google translate or whatever you translate something over into english and then you translate it back and you translate it back again just to see how, yeah. how things that'd be a uh, fabulous project yeah that's what i'd like to see a good example of that is uh so you know the walking dead super popular comic mm-hmm. there was a, another skybound book called dead body road that was actually the Walking Dead translated into another language and then translated back, and that's how they got Dead Body Road. So, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> there you go. There you it. go. That's what I want. That's huh. all that I want. Is that Justin Jordan's book? Oh, yeah, I had no yeah. idea. I'm going to have to actually check that out now. That's pretty great. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thank you so much. I guess I hope that answers the questions of what we would like to see in licensing. We know that industry people listen to this podcast now, so. Who knows? People They're may have, by the time this airs, this, they, this may have already, maybe already in the works. Maybe we're getting all these books. All right, everyone. Thanks for the wonderful discussion about Beastars, and thank you for picking out some manga that may or may not ever make it into English. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> if you'd like to get your questions manga explained by the manga explaining crew, please send us direct message, Twitter message, Instagram message, Facebook message. There's so many ways you can do it. You really have no excuse. But yeah, go ahead and send us questions because we love answering them. and Manga Explaining episode 13. Thank you for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Paradise Kiss by Ayazawa, published by Vertical. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DIDS for their fine musical accompaniment for this episode. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.